Today I'm starting off a new series of messages called Areas of Patchy Fog. And uh, that expression is sometimes uh, something that you'll hear in a weather report, especially in the morning when you're about to go out to work or school, other activities, you'll hear them report. Now be careful out there, there's areas of patchy fog. And when they say that, what they're saying is that everywhere is not foggy, but there are places that you're going to hit that's going to be foggy and it's going to affect your vision, which is going to cause your actions to be different. Fog, even though you can just go like this and it doesn't hurt you, it can do great damage when you hit an area of patchy fog and it hinders your vision. That was true on uh, the morning of December the 11th in 1990. Probably many of you may remember in Bradley County, Tennessee, in the, I think it was in the area of Bowwater, in just a couple of hours, a dense fog hit on I-75, and it ended up, I think it with uh, 12 people were killed, 42 people were injured, and 99 vehicles crashed in just a few moments because that dense fog had occurred in just a short period of time and people were traveling thinking everything was fine and then suddenly their vision was hindered and their actions changed quickly and then crashes started occurring. And many people were devastated. They talk about screams that were heard in this brief period of time of those 99 cars crashing. And you know, sometimes in our life, we can hit some areas of patchy fog in the way that we are thinking. Things can begin to affect our life and sometimes we get caught so off guard that just like that on I-75, we really don't realize what we have run into but our thinking has become hindered and our actions have changed. And you know, from a world perspective, the world will make you think that you're a a little bit weird in your thinking if you think differently than the way that most people in the world think. But the truth is, if you and I are thinking like most of the people in the world, then our thinking has become cloudy. It's become foggy because we're thinking different than the way we should be thinking. And that's the way we should be thinking like Jesus Christ and the way God's word is. And so the world will make you think you got some foggy thinking. And this morning, I want to kind of look at God's word in 1 Peter chapter 4 and see the truth about how that we can keep our thinking clear and what can become foggy thinking and how that, through the midst of that, that foggy thinking can affect our thoughts and our actions. I want you to listen this morning to the powerful words in 1 Peter chapter 4. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For we have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel is preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply. 
because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trials you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed with his glory where his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as murderers, thieves, or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Continue to do good. Sometimes foggy thinking can affect our lives to where we can't think exactly right and it begins to affect whether we are doing good. And just like you see right here, fog kind of sets in lightly but then it can begin to really fog up everything. Right now, y'all are looking pretty foggy out there. It comes in, and when it begins to affect your vision, you can't see clearly. Matter of fact, if I were to be asked this morning who all's in the service right now, I couldn't tell you who all's here. Fogginess affects the way that we see, and then that affects the way that we act. And the sad thing is that it can become kind of in just areas or patchiness of our life. And then we don't really realize how much it has affected us. So we look at these scriptures this morning and I think there's some truths that God would want to tell us about areas of patchy fog and how that it can become dense in our head. Matter of fact, if you had one of the bulletins this morning, you'll see that it said, dense fog ahead. And just out of curiosity, how many of you saw that and thought there was a typographical area, era in there that it said ahead instead of ahead? Did anybody think that? Nobody paid any attention, right? Okay. First few folks within our church uh, servants that saw that made mention to me, said, I think there's a typo there. It's got ahead instead of ahead, you know, dense fog ahead. I said, no, that was intentional because sometimes dense fog gets in our head and it begins to affect the way that we think and the way that we act. And as we'll find out during this month of March, sometimes that can be so subtle that we don't realize the changes that have occurred in our life. 
see a lot of you fanning there. You're getting the fog on out of your life quickly. That's good. But when we have dense fog in our thinking, here's some realities I want you to remember. First of all, if you've got dense fog in your thinking, it's revealed by the fact that if you think sin doesn't cause suffering. You've got some dense fog in your thinking if you think sin doesn't cause suffering. In those first three verses that uh, Casey read for us this morning, the Bible has given us the reality about how that Christ suffered, and he suffered in his body, and it says that we need to arm ourselves or get prepared with the same attitude of Christ when these things begin. And it says, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. That's where God wants you and I to be, to come to the reality that, hey, I'm done with sin. I've seen what the effects of sin are and how it comes into our life and it creates suffering. And the world will give you this perspective about how that you begin to suffer in your life. And that is, there's no connection with this thought that sin causes suffering. It's just the reality that sometimes there's just coincidences and things begin to happen in our life, and you may have to go through some difficult challenges. It's just a reality of life. But the truth is that Bible is telling us is that with sin comes suffering. I sometimes am amazed, especially as I have looked at the Bible and seen times that in the Scriptures that God revealed to His people that they were under a curse. And the way that it was worded was, you are under a curse and you don't even realize it. What the Bible is saying is that we become foggy in our thinking so much and we think that sin and suffering is just all coincidental. It has no connection with each other. That God can put a curse in our life because of our sinful lifestyle and we don't even realize it. We just think it's just coincidence. It's just reality of life. Suffering comes and suffering goes. Bad times, good times. Now I'm not saying that every suffering in our life is linked to sin. Sometimes God allows us to go through some suffering, especially as Christians, so that we can help other people. Matter of fact, if you were to look down to verses 12 through 16, the Bible tells us about suffering. And it says, and you may have noticed that Scott uh, Hoser was the one that read these verses or quoted them for us in verses 12 through 16. And Scott's been through a little bit of suffering his life. He had a heart attack just a while back and had to stay in the hospital. Caught him totally off guard. Got on, he's been on a new job. And uh, just say, what day was it, Scott, that you got bit by the dog? Wednesday. So he's, he's been in the hospital, got out of the hospital after having a heart attack. Goes back onto his job working. And then a dog he's been around in the past decides he wants to take a chunk out of Scott. Sometimes suffering comes in our life, but I will say this, that I have seen God working in Scott's life, and I've seen Scott and his family drawing closer to the Lord. And in those verses 12 through 16 that Scott read, talks about how that sometimes we go through painful suffering. And if we're going to suffer, let it be for the reality that we're suffering because we're serving God, not because we've got sin in our life. And you know what? Usually suffering don't come 
for both things occurring, that you're suffering because you're serving God and you got sin in your life. It's one or the other that's there. And the Bible's letting us know in those verses 12 through 16 that sometimes we go through painful trials, sometimes we suffer. But if we are suffering for the cause of Christ, then it should bring joy in our life because we're bringing glory to God. And it makes this statement in verse 15, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. And so sometimes suffering does come because we are serving God. Matter of fact, if you serve God pretty pretty intensely with your life, Satan's going to hit you. We had some conversation this morning, me and another person, about how that, that Satan just seemed to be hammering and hitting and doing some weird things. But they saw the reality that God's doing something too, and Satan comes that way. So you may have some fog in your thinking if you think sin doesn't cause suffering because the Bible makes it very clear that sin does create suffering in our life. But we need to continue to do good. The Bible also in these scriptures in verse 4 is giving us another reality that you may have some fog in your thinking. And that is if you think everybody is doing it. The Bible tells us in verse 4 about how that the thoughts and the ways of the world try to hammer in on us or squeeze in on us. Verse 4 says this, They think, that means the people who are living ungodly lifestyle, they think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on you. Which basically the Bible is saying this, that those who are living an ungodly lifestyle, just living like, you know, live it up and live like the world does, that they will put kind of hard words or harassment or humiliate you if you don't participate in the same thing. And the approach is, you are a little bit weird, you're a little bit strange if you're not doing the same thing that we're doing. But that may be some fog in you thinking if you think that everybody is doing it. It can represent a lot of variety of things. It can represent if you're a young person, if you're not involved in sex outside of marriage, everybody's doing it. If you kind of cheat on your taxes when tax comes, that'll be next month. And you don't cheat on your taxes, you try to do what's right. People will make you think, you're a little bit weird. It's not going to hurt anything. The government's got enough money of their own and they're wasting what they do have. And so the perspective of the world that they will put on you and I is, you're a little bit weird if you don't do the same things that they do, which we would call sin from a biblical perspective. And so they try to push you into that. They try to embarrass you into it. Try to make you feel like you're a weirdo if you don't. But the truth is, you're not a weirdo. If you don't participate in the same sins that maybe some of your friends and other people do. The truth is that you're just trying to do what pleases God and that you're trying to seek Him. So you may have a little bit of density in your thinking if you think everybody is doing it. The Bible goes on to tell us another reality and that is you may have some, some fog in your thinking if you think you won't give an account before God for your sins in your life. If you think that there's never really going to be a point that God's not going to call you accountable for the thin, sins and actions in your life, then you got some foggy thinking. The Bible tells us in those verses 5 through 6, and there's 
one statement that I think that is very powerful. It's in verse 5. says, but they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Which means that it's not just when we die that we're going to be judged by God. But it's sometimes in our life while we're living. When we uh, justify sin, when we think that, you know, it's okay, it's not really hurting anybody. And we allow this way of thinking to kind of flood in our life. The Bible's telling us that God's ready to judge the living and the dead. He's ready to bring judgment upon them. And everybody, the Bible tells us, is going to have to stand and give an account. And so we may have some foggy thinking in the way that we think. If we think, you know what, you don't really have to give an account. You know, it's just whatever you do just affects you. But the reality is it affects you now. It's going to affect you later when you stand before God. And the truth is, our sins, you know, we're not an island. It's not that what we do just affects us. You know, I've raised two children, got six grandkids. And I'd be very foolish if I thought that my actions and my attitude doesn't affect my children and my grandchildren. It affects them. We're not an island. And what we do not only affects our lives, but it's going to affect those who are around us. Uh, my grandkids wanted to watch Courageous the other, uh, other day, and I thought uh, that was kind of unique that they chose that movie to watch. You know, it's usually more like a Disney movie or something, and so they wanted to watch that, and man, they were just all soaked into it. And in the uh, movie Courageous, there's uh, a family that loses a little girl. She's killed in a car wreck, and suddenly the father who the little girl had tried to get the father to dance with her, but he wasn't interested in dancing. But when she died, he said, I should have danced with her. I should have been a better father. And then the wife says to him, said, you're still a father. You still got a son. And then that son broke down in the movie as well and said, I should have been a better brother. Because both of them were realizing that their life affected her life. It didn't bring about her death, but their life affected her life. They wished they had lived differently. And isn't it sad that a lot of times when death comes, that's when we suddenly think, I wish I'd done things differently. My life had some effect on somebody else's. And sometimes it's not just when death comes, when lives are being destroyed and people are going in the wrong direction. I wish I'd been a better dad. I wish I'd been a better father. I wish I'd been a better grandfather. I wish I'd been a better brother or a better sister. I wish I had made some positive impact in their life. The Bible tells us that we're going to have to give an account for God and that our actions not only affect us, but it affects those who are around us. We have to give an account before God for our sins. The last truth that I want us to see from this scripture is that we may have some dense fog in our thinking if we think doing good to others doesn't really make a difference. In verses 8 through 11 that Melissa read for us talks about how that love covers over a multitude of sins. And you know, sometimes when someone is going through a struggle in their life, if you can put a little love on them, you may be able to love them through the sin or the struggle that they're going through in their life, the difficulty that they're going through. But those verses 8 through 11 are talking about letting love touch people's lives, showing hospitality, not 
doing it with grumbling or complaining. But all those scriptures in verses 8 through 11 are talking about taking our gifts, our talents, and our opportunities so that we can do good to somebody else's life. So if you and I think that doing good to others really doesn't make any difference, it doesn't have really impact on other people's lives, then you got some foggy thinking. Because the Bible's letting us know that what we do does affect other people. And it does affect us as well. Some of the things that have been the, uh, the greatest highlights in my life. And you know, in our Life in the Word study, we started out this morning studied in Ecclesiastes. And how that in Ecclesiastes, Solomon was going through this phase in his life that life was meaningless. It was just vanity. It was empty. It had no substance. And you can read through those first few chapters and you could be reading it and you're thinking, whew, man, I've, this is just sucking the wind out of my life. Life has no meaning. It is vanity. It's, what I'm doing is worthless. And he talks about how he went after wine, women, wealth, and everything else you could think of. And he didn't really find any meaning and substance in it. And you can be reading through it and you think, whew, life is just worthless. And then he comes to the end of Ecclesiastes that those who are going in life in the Word will find that in the end, he says, but you know what? I found what the substance to life is. And that is to know God, to serve him, and to touch others' lives. That's where the real meaning of life is. So if we go through our life just about us, we're going to be hung in sin. Our, our thinking is going to be cloudy. It's going to be foggy. But the truth is that when we realize that life is more than just about us, and the greatest highlights in our life can be when we help somebody else, when somebody looks at you with tears in their eyes and just can't hold back hugging you and saying thank you and you know you had a part in that transformation in their life, that is meaning in life. You know that God has used you. And so when I look at these scriptures, we're kind of kicking off this study about areas of patchy fog. I believe that what God is trying to get us to grab in this first message is the reality that, that we can sometimes get dense fog in our life and it affects our thinking. And some of the ways that the Bible's telling us in 1 Peter here that it affects our thinking is if you think that sin doesn't cause suffering, you got some cloudy thinking, some foggy thinking. If you think that everybody else is sinning, everybody else is doing it, you got some foggy thinking. If you think that you won't have to give an account before God for your actions and your attitudes, you got some foggy thinking. And if you think... That in this life, doing good doesn't really make an impact. It doesn't really have a, a change of anything. You got some foggy thinking. You see, when he comes all down to this, and you know, I want to go back to read verse 7. And I, and I chose these scriptures, reading it in the 1984 translation of the NIV because of what it says. Listen to what verse 7 says. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled. So that you can pray. Now, have you ever thought, and when I'm reading that, you think, okay, the end of all things is near, meaning that, you know, Christ is coming back. The end of life is coming to a near. Therefore, we need to be clear-minded. We need to get our, the fogginess out of our way of thinking. Not justifying things, not accepting the way that the world thinks about things, not allowing sin into our life, not allowing us to become complacent to where we're not trying to do our best to do good and touch people's lives and make an impact on them. So we need to be clear-minded and self-controlled because just like that accident in Tennessee, which was one of the, I think it's in the top five 
worst traffic accidents in U.S. history. That accident, and, and it was all created by a quick fog that came in. And the Bible's saying you got to be clear-minded so you can be self-controlled. They lost control when they hit that fog. They began, you ever notice that when somebody suddenly hits a fog, the first thing you see is, boom, bright lights where they've suddenly hit them brakes. Suddenly begin to panic, and then that creates the train your action. But the Bible's saying be clear-minded and self-controlled, and then it says so that you can pray. Now, how did suddenly prayer get in that connection with clear-minded and self-controlled? The truth is that when our thinking becomes foggy, we neglect prayer. And prayer is where we keep our thinking the clearest and our actions on the right path. Matter of fact, I want to tell you a reality. If you're listening, say amen. If you're not praying on a regular basis, I can just about guarantee you there's some foggy thinking in your mind. If you're not praying on a regular basis, and you probably don't know it, but there's some areas of patchy fog in your life and in the way you're thinking, which is affecting your actions and your attitude. The Bible says, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you will pray and so that you can stay clear-minded and self-controlled. I want to ask you this morning just to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. And while the musicians come to get a song ready... There's dense fog ahead because that's where Satan wants to put fogginess in our, in our life. And that's in the way that we think. And the Bible's making it very clear that God's whole purpose for us in life, in that verse 19, is that we be, commit ourselves to be faithful to our Creator and continue to do good. Commit themselves Commit ourselves to be faithful to the Creator and continue to do good. But foggy thinking will mess up our attitude and our actions. This morning, I want you to just take a moment, if you would, and just pray. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. So take just a moment and pray and say, Lord, is there some areas in my life that I'm justifying or accepting or becoming part of the crowd? Lord, do I have a mentality that sin doesn't cause suffering? Do I have a mentality that everybody's doing it? Do I have a mentality that I'm really not realizing that good or bad, I'm going to have to give an account before God of all my actions? Do I have cloudy, foggy thinking because I think that Doing good doesn't really make any difference. Just ask God if there's some areas. And it may, be in that, may not necessarily be in these particular areas, but Satan wants to put a dense fog in our heads so that he can affect our vision, our attitude, and our actions. So that he can get us to accept the ways of the world, the way that the majority of people are thinking, that is outside of God's way of thinking and God's desire and plan for our lives. So just take just a moment, if you would, and just ask God, God, is there any, any foggy thinking in my brain? Is there some areas of patchy fog in the way of my attitude and my actions? Because, Lord, I don't want to just accept the normal, the world's perspective. Lord, I want to see things and think the way that you would have me to think.
Lord, I, will, I don't want my actions to affect not only my life, but my family's life and the life of those who are closest to me in a negative way. I want to affect it in a positive way. Lord, I just want to say for my own personal self, and God, when you just suddenly, just unexpectedly, I, you just totally caught me off guard when you spoke to me and said, Brett, I want you to preach about areas of patchy fog. And then suddenly you started talking to me about some areas of patchy fog in my way of thinking. And you caught me off guard. And so, Lord, I thank you for what you preached to me. And, Lord, through this series of messages, some will be things that maybe don't necessarily apply to what I was going through, but what somebody else is going through. But then there's other things that will be things I've been going through that somebody else is going through as well. And, Lord, I pray that you just give us just a sense of the reality about how that areas of patchy fog can mess up our way of thinking and can affect our attitude and our actions, the way that we act, the, because we don't see things clearly. We're not acting clearly. We're not being the person that you want us to be and created us to be. So, Lord, if there's somebody today that's got some patchy fog in their life, Lord, if their way of thinking has been kind of fogged up, Lord, I, I pray that today you'll begin to clear it up May they be clear in their thinking, self-controlled, meaning that their actions and their attitudes are not out of control, but they're under control, which were controlled by your Spirit. And we can just pray and know that you're going to lead us and guide us and give us clear thinking. So God, I pray that during this month of March, you're going to clear our thinking. God, get us on the right path. And Lord, if there's been some areas of patchy fog like Brett Yeager's been going through, Lord, that you will clear that up and get us thinking the right way. And, Lord, we're going to give you the praise and honor and glory for all that you do. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.